Hello everyone, and welcome to the fifth episode of The Untamed Rant. I am Erin, also known as The Untamed Scribe, and as always with me is the infamous Crowley, also known as The Wandering Alchemist. Greetings. (laughs) Uh, In this episode, we're going to be talking about storytelling, as voted by the Twitterverse, just so that you all are aware. Um... One of the main things that we're going to go over in terms of storytelling are going to be the main seven elements of storytelling, and then we might break it down a little bit further than that. And peppered throughout that conversation, we're also going to discuss how it relates to D&D and some tangents, as we do, (laughs) will probably be involved. So, uh, welcome everybody. And uh, yeah, let's get started. So. So. First thing that you need for really great storytelling is a central premise. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Yes. So in terms of that, it's the point of the story, people. <laughs> what is the point of your story? Um, you, and throughout that, in like to get a little deeper with that, it's this helps build the case for the point of your story. That's what the premise does. It's not just like, oh, this is... Using technical words. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is my premise. What would? Like, you still have to make sure that what you're talking about builds to that point. Um, you don't just want a bunch of fluff. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Yeah. Um, and in, in a lot of cases, uh, many stories have more than uh, one premise. And as an example, one of the things that I'm going to mention now... Um, I just looked up online, and you can do this yourselves if you're a writer, if you're just looking for ideas, creativity, whatever. Um, I found seven elements of good storytelling, and it's from um, Inducing Reality, and it's the it's called Inducing Reality, the Holy Grail of Storytelling. Uh, this particular article is by Ken Ramsley. Um, I found it on msu.edu. Um, this is just one resource. I'm sure there's plenty out there, um, that you can choose from. And I know there is. Millions. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, but again, in terms of premise, uh, many stories have more than one part to a premise. Um, as an example, uh, Star Wars. Star Wars is given as as an example in this particular, um... Perfect. (laughs) ...article that I found. So, in terms of this, you know... It's talking about how, yeah, evil's bad, but in... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, evil's evil's bad, man. I mean, they've got cookies, though. Come to the dark side. (laughs) Propaganda. Um, But in the Star Wars movie, it also, you know, power corrupts, but goodness can redeem the corrupted. Mm. So that's another... Yeah. Yeah, so that's something to think about. I mean, just as an example, that's a Star Wars reference, but... Hey, there's more than one part to a premise, and there are multiple premises on any given occasion. Um, also, something to think about in terms of premise is that characters have their own premises. <laughs> mm. So, um, it's mainly what they believe about themselves. So, in terms of that, as an example, you know, um, I always tell the truth. Mm. Yeah? I'm sure that'll change. <laughs> Um, so premise is big. It's just the point of your story. It's just, you know, the end game of like power corrupts or bad people can be turned to good or whatever it is. And then there's layers within that. So just something to think about, but definitely the main, one of the main things to remember in storytelling. So D and D. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say D and D that's a lot of that would be covered under the theme of your game. Mm-hmm. And the setting of your game. Absolutely. I mean, if demons are big in your game, that automatically has built into it specific premises. Mm-hmm. Um, magic, mm-hmm. steampunk, yep. futuristic. I mean, they all come with their own loads. Mm-hmm. And characters, backgrounds, bonds, mm-hmm. in D&D terms, but a lot of games have those things now. Yeah. And speaking of characters, that is the second thing that comes up in terms of the elements of storytelling in general, as a general rule. Mm -hmm. You need strong characters. Whether they're good or evil, whatever it happens to be, they have to be a strong character that's believable. You have to have believable characters. So, like, yeah, okay, the bad guy's doing some crazy shit, but can you actually see his point as to why he's doing it? Identifiability? Yes. <laughs> you looked like you struggled with that word a little bit, okay? I was wondering if it was a real word. <laughs> I was just tacking on uh, 
<laughs> Suffixes. Yes. <laughs> I was just going to let you get there. It was, was great. It kept... Sorry, you can't see him, but it was great. <laughs> Pre kept popping in my head. I was like, no, nah, that's the other side. No, I'll no. I'll say prefix. Um, so characters, in terms of them, it really has to do with their behavior. You want to be able to root for them or care about them or despise them or hate them, whatever it may be. But they have to be believable. And they have to seem real. Um, most of the time, especially in storytelling, um, they reveal themselves through events. So they have to be consistent with those events for the most part. Um, they have to be true to themselves, um, which doesn't mean that they have to be normal. And I'm putting normal in little finger quotes because nobody wants to read a story about a guy who's just... Joe. Yeah, yeah, like, well, you know, th- I mean, and you can think of it in terms of a movie. Like, if, if you were writing some a story and, you know, you wanted to put it to film, like... You have this guy just sitting there in a cafe and he's just eating the same meal and he does that all like you show a week of him doing that and nothing changes like I'm going to shut the TV off. I do not want to read it. I don't want to watch it. Goodbye. <laughs> and there has to be a point to what they do. And it's tricky um because you can't you can't just reveal all like the main character who has these special abilities can't just walk out in the in the middle of the town square and be like I am the best ever. I have a connection to my god and all of these things. Like, they don't do that. You can't just monologue it. Like, it has to be revealed. And that's a struggle, too, for characters when in storytelling. Unless that's their, their thing. I mean, tr- true. Yes. To be, <laughs> I mean, there is, especially in D&D, we've definitely come across some characters who are just like, what's up? This is what I'm about. Hey. <laughs> they need secrets. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. we don't know about them, at least. Exactly. And... <clears throat> And for the most part, characters speak through their actions. So in terms of D&D, that's, that's huge because, you know, when we're first starting or when you're first starting a campaign, you know, that age, I hate to do this, but that age old, oh, you meet in a tavern and you both found out about this one job, like... <laughs> Well, the bulletin board outside. Exactly. <laughs> ah, that bulletin Adventure board. Adventure is wanted. <laughs> but on top of that, like, you don't, neither character just comes into that setting and that meeting and just is like, yeah, this is everything you need to know about me. What's it? Yeah. All right, let's go together, man. Like, there's some hesitation. There's secrets. You don't reveal everything right away. And that's part well, of. They shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> I don't think I've met a character yet in D&D who's just done that, though, really. Like, as a first meeting? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I mean, when I when I make my characters, I don't even try to make them the entire way. Yeah, no. And I don't think any... Well, like, I've who never are really they? done that. Yeah. Why are they there? Mm-hmm. What do they want? What has led them to this, at least, as how, a background? How are they going to act for the most part? But, like, you also can't just stick with that shtick the whole time. If he's, yeah. like, if he's a lawful good, you can't... You can't be that guy. You can't be that paladin guy who's just like, nope. This is this is how it is. Hard set. Hard set. Hard line. Can't do it. Nope. You can't. You get. There's got to be some flexibility yeah. somewhere. It has to be revealed over time, and that's a really important thing with characters. And that's a hard thing to do. At least in writing, that can be. That can really be a hard thing to do. But in D anD D, in terms of D anD D, like. That just happens naturally, in my mind. <laughs> like, yes, but it's also a little harder in D&D in the aspect that, as DM, you don't have control over all the characters. But that's part of the so, fun. <laughs> I, no, that's obviously part of the fun, but you have to help everyone do that. True. Yes, true. You know, you might have the really quiet player who doesn't do anything. Right. You might have to give them a reason to do something mm-hmm. vocally or whatever. Um you can get other players to help you with that, too. Yeah. But uh, as a writer, you have control over all that. You can go back and rewrite. Mm-hmm. In D&D, you can't. Yeah. So, pros and cons. D&D is definitely a lot different from writing, but... Right. And and that's, it, like, the other part of for they're, characters... There's a little more real interactions, though, because it's... Mm-hmm. It's it's reactions. It's not written and rewritten reactions. Exactly. Yeah. And that's something that's really important to storytelling, just revealing the characters as they go. Uh, I just do this. But as another example from Star Wars, like <laughs> Princess Leia, like 
she doesn't just confess her love straight out to Han Solo and is all like, oh my god, you're the best, I love you. She's not fawning over him in any way. But when she rescues him at the beginning of Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she, that, that like proves it at that point. You yeah. know what I mean? For the And you have to assume that your audience isn't completely stupid. Like, they're going to figure that out in terms of a movie or a book. But in terms of D&D, like... That's something that you do through those actions. Some surprises should be surprising. Yes. Some should not be. Because <laughs> you Very want true. some of the stuff you expect to happen to actually happen. Mm-hmm. Or then there's you're just caught in chaos, and what's the point of that? I mean, chaos. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> or it <wrong>. could be. <laughs> um. So as a general rule for characters, it speaks through their actions and, and, you know, they have to be believable and every different character in terms of the players at the table is going to bring that flavor in, which is great yeah. for D&D. Um, and, and start small. Yeah, so exactly. Characters can build themselves up within, mm-hmm. like, a small confines and then you can com- complexify is not a word, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to say it. Um <laughs> But you can make it more complex working out as the characters get more complex mm-hmm. in the story and meet more people in the yeah. relationship. The webs become more and more tangled. It allows you there to are more make layers. the story <laughs> yeah. more and more tangled. Right. Um, but you can't just do that right off the bat with... You can't have 15 NPCs on the first session right. with different goals and outlooks when the players don't even know where they fit themselves yet. Yeah. Um, another thing to keep in mind for characters, um, is that in my mind, especially, you know, I think it's helpful for D&D especially, but in terms of stories or whatever you happen to be doing, background is key for characters. And that's one of the reasons why I love 5e in particular, because it actually gives some examples for backgrounds Mm -hmm. and it allows you to pick, like you can roll randomly or you can pick it, but it's, you know, traits and ideals and bonds and flaws, all of those things. But if the character doesn't have it, like, Oh, this is your character. Like you're just an elf ranger, play it up however you want. Like that allows you to add those layers to the character already and then go from there, which is great. Yeah. If you don't have something already Already in mind. Yeah. And it's, (laughs) It's like, it's bare bones mm-hmm. in D&D. There's just four things. Mm-hmm. Um, other games, Savage Worlds, you can get the hindrances, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, that can give you more in-depth storytelling. and mm-hmm. gives you little extra bonuses when you make your character, but yeah. it rounds out the character. Um, I know Burning Wheel character creation is like all about those different things. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Um, I have yet to look at that, so... And, like, uh, a cut-down version of Burning Wheels Mouse Guard, and part of figuring out your character from Mouse Guard is answering certain questions and getting the the resulting stats or whatever. Yeah. um, I find all of that really, really great in terms of playing a character, because... Yeah? (laughs) Burning Wheel actually does a really good job of character development, too, because character advancement um and i haven't actually played i've listened to some podcasts so if i get anything any technicalities wrong i'm sorry forgive us (laughs) but the basics of it is that any skill you have is in order to advance that skill Mm -hmm. and um obviously the more of these have to happen the better you are at it but you need a certain number of successes and a certain number of failures Hmm. So the better you are at it, the longer it'll take you to advance in it, because obviously it's harder to advance in something you're already a master at. Right, right. Um, But it's real. You fail a lot. (laughs) I mean, it's it's like life. It's okay if you have something you're bad at, because you you can advance at it. Failures help your advancement. Um, And actually, sorry for the squeaking chair. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) Um... Monster of the Week, and I would assume the other Powered by the Apocalypse games are similar, it's your failed roles that give you the XP right? to advance your character. So it's worth trying things and being bad at things and failing. Um, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
I'm sorry about the squeaky chair, everybody. This chair and I usually get along, and we're not right now. <laughs> I'm gonna we're just gonna move over a little. Okay, that'll be better. <laughs> um. So in terms of that, flaws. Though, flaws are yeah. key to a strong character, though. Strong doesn't just mean literally strong. It also means diverse mm-hmm. and flaws. Something that and, makes them. And that was something else I was gonna mention in terms of. I mean, we're saying flaws, but I. Uh, I definitely think that every character should have some type of a weakness or a ghost of some kind. You know, everybody's got a past and it's up to you. And in terms of the, you know, traits, flaws, bonds, all ideals, all of that, it gives you a, a the bare bones. But you can go off of that to create a really interesting character background and a backstory for your character. And that's what I love. I really love that part about character creation because it's like, okay, well, who is this character and why? <laughs> and, and fifth edition D&D really categorizes it well because you have your, your personality trait. So it's like your tick. Yeah. Um. And just one. I mean, people mm-hmm. have multiple ticks, but one is a good start. Mm-hmm. Your uh, ideal. You have your ideal. You know, what do you aspire to act like, mm-hmm. um, which is something you hope to see in other people and mm-hmm. stuff. And then you have your bond, which is something that isn't so... M- it's actually not so much for the character as much as it is that one is for the DM. Yeah, true. Because the... It, the character can bring it up, but the DM can really play on that bond. Like, if your bond is, like, your long-lost sister. Mm-hmm. DM, that, yeah. DM can mention it, and that could change the whole dynamic of mm-hmm. the planning and what's going on. Um, and then what's the last one? The last uh, one is a flaw. Is a technical flaw. So, yeah. yeah. So, like... You know, I will run away and save my own hide. Like, <laughs> yes, they're legitimately negative aspects. They're yeah. not just positive or negative, depending on the situation. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's like, no, no, I, I'm good. I'm gonna run away. <laughs> yeah. I, I might hate myself for it, but I'm gonna mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> just as an example. So, characters are in terms of storytelling. I mean, that's the second thing I wanted to mention, just because it's it's up there in terms of your storytelling. Um, oh, did you have more to add on that? I had one more thing, thinking yeah. about the flaws and stuff, yeah. is I'm pretty sure Burning Wheel, um, you set goals, a couple goals, and you have to word them specifically, and you, you play your character with those goals in mind, um, and completing them earns you something. Okay. Not Again, sh- I haven't looked I, at this, so I can't yeah, help I know, you, I'm I don't sorry. even have the book, I'm just trying to go off of... Memory and the podcast. Yeah. Um, but the goals, you're like, I'm, um, like, just to put it in D&D terms, I am working to um, prove that my paladin order hasn't fallen by being a shining example of what we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, by, and, but it would be a little more specific, like, by um, hunting down the witch who's stealing children in the countryside. Right. Um, which means it, it gets, sets you a goal, capturing the witch, um, but it sets you a way of achieving that goal, and that's by being a good paladin, and it gives the DM something to um, work against you with that, is your order is seen as corrupt in one way or another, or mm-hmm. failing. Um, and by completing that, you earn something, but then you have to come up with another one. So Yeah. They can be long or short term, um, but it's it that is built into that system as well. It's character development as a means to the story. It just shows how linked those two things are. Right, right. Um, so that's a good example. And if you know you have more to add in terms of what is it again? The wheel, the of, burning wheel, the burning wheel. Excuse me. Um, um, definitely let us know about that because that's a really definitely... cool system. I want to get my hands on the book. I have Torchbearer. Yeah, I have Mouse Guard. Um, they're kind of cut down versions of it. Yeah. Um, but Burning Wheels, more universal system. You you build up the world. And oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and stuff. It's it's a cool system. Yeah. See another one of those games that we gotta play. Yep. Um, next thing I'm gonna mention is um a confined space in terms of storytelling, and this mm-hmm. is often referred to as the Crucible. Um, so the premise is. It answers the question of what the story's about. 
in terms of the crucible, it answers the question of why it's all happening and why it's happening with those particular characters. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's really important because it's why the premise is happening. Like ultimately that's, that's, that's why it's so important. Um, the crucible itself, um, it's, it's, it can be really hard to introduce a, a feeling of believability mm. for a certain for the audience, and the crucible is one of those like one of those things that helps make it like that. So it's it's really important. <laughs> it is important in D and D terms. I mean, this is essentially a combination mm-hmm. of your hook, the mm-hmm. hooks for the characters, right, um, to get them into whatever you're trying to get them to do. Um, which is can be very difficult to come mm-hmm. up with. Uh, you know, if someone wants to play a lawful, keep going back to the paladin, lawful good paladin. Right, right. You know, you're going to have a really hard time hooking them into some kind of heist situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do it, but you got to mold that to the paladin, but then you might also have to mold it to the other characters. Um, it also includes... Generally in D anD D, there's a MacGuffin that you have right. to get. It's the 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 target that right. is like realistically for ninety nine percent of that story pointless, except as a driving goal, a driving right. force. Um, and in terms of the Crucible itself, like why is the story happening here? Um, why are these characters here? Why do they stay? You know, what what's it yeah. all about, really? Um, and, again, um, because this is one of those things uh, that was mentioned in the article that I mentioned earlier, Star that Wars. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm um, If they'd included a documentary, like, documentary footage of, like, all the aliens... And them living on those planets and everything. Like, it, it'd just be fluff and we'd get bored and we'd shut up. We, we don't need to see that to know what's happening. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's good because good stories are usually defined by a time period or, you know, life on a ship or whatever it happens to be. And that's the main part of the Crucible. So that mm-hmm. you don't get lost in the vastness of it all. Um, I mean, go back to Star Wars. A New yeah. Hope. Yeah. You have... Uh character hook for Luke. Right. It's like, save the princess. Do something with your right. life. You know, your your dad was this guy. Mm-hmm. And if that's not good enough for you, well, the stormtroopers killed your aunt and uncle. Right? Exactly. You know? Because of a <laughs> Those people. <laughs> yeah, right? You know? So now he has some righteous vengeance. Yeah. You know, and save in, the princess. And in terms of that, to begin with, like, he was a pretty whiny kid. Yeah. And then so he had to just, become a fucking was, Jedi. Like. Right. An adult first. Yeah. So. Stop whining. Get your shit together. We got shit to do. <laughs> you can still occasionally whine. Uh, yeah. Just don't still, be annoying. Yeah, he still does. But but you only got a lot amount of time and then we got to go. <laughs> so it's um, a story that wanders around, you know, or unfolds into like an unrelated circumstances It'll just confuse the audience. You can't. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that. There's multiple crucibles too. Exactly. On multiple yes. Levels. Like that's same, Luke's same personal as, crucible. Same, same as a same as the premise. Premise. Excuse exactly. me. It, yeah. There's multiple layers of these. Han things. had his own crucible where you know, like he's a good guy, but he doesn't. It's never gotten him anywhere. But then mm-hmm. you know, he makes some friends and like becomes caught up in this movement, and he leaves. But then he comes back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was his moment. Yeah. Exactly. But so, the whole movie, gotta destroy that Death Star. <laughs> Fucking Death Star, man. <laughs> I, nobody wants that, really. A Death Star? I'm, well, The Empire wants I, it. I, I, that, they try to coup a few times. <laughs> I know, but I'm just saying, like, the, the heroes don't want that. Mm. You don't want that, heroes. <laughs> That's how you become the villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, well, we could use it for our own personal... No, no. You're, you're going dark you side. you live long enough to build the Death Star... You might want to consider <laughs> pulling a Luke and running away for a while. Yeah, indeed. Um, 
Something that I want to do now, um, obviously really important to storytelling, and we mentioned characters, but there's your protagonist and your antagonist. Yes. So protagonist is the one who is the hero. They, it's your, it's, your, char- it's yeah, your party. It's your party, exactly. It's your party at the table. Antagonists, obviously, are the ones who are trying to stop the good guys. <laughs> so Usually. Usually, for the well, most it's part. It's your villains, but it's also... The NPCs that aren't necessarily directly aligned with the characters. True. So let's start with protagonists because that's the role um, that takes the audience through the story. And is sitting at your table. And is sitting at your (laughs) table, folks. (laughs) Those characters that we mentioned. Kill them all. Um, I mean, no. Don't do that. Yeah, don't. That's a bad time. (laughs) TPK, TPK. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Traditionally, the protagonist is the good guy. (laughs) Traditionally. (laughs) Um, But not always good in a convenient way. (laughs) Which is great, because that happens a lot in (laughs) D&D. Not always strictly morally good. Yes. There's a huge gray area there. And sometimes they can be really unlikable, too. Just a hate... You can still hate a hero. Like, Mm -hmm. that's still possible. Um, so one of the things for the protagonist that I definitely want to mention is that they start out mostly ignorant of what lies ahead. Mm-hmm. And that definitely happens in TV because these players are just coming into your world as a DM and you're just like, yeah, it's good. You know nothing. <laughs> and they got to learn to, to grow and, and, you know, change with the story and what's yes. happening in order to survive, you know, long enough to see, the end of the quest, if there is such an end. And that's, uh, I think this is a good opportunity to mention that D&D and, like, Pathfinder and those types of games, they're games that don't necessarily have an ending. Like, there's no, like, yeah, we won, we beat everything, it's like a board game. No, it's not like that. It could be. be. It definitely could be. Like, Curse of Strahd, if you defeat Strahd, Yes, yes, that is the end, Yes. (laughs) But for the most part, if it's a homebrew world or it's a long campaign, there's really no... There's just layers upon layers of story arches, which we'll get into a little bit later. When you're comfortable ending. Ending, yeah. Your heroes retire. (laughs) So... Never retire. (laughs) um, Something else for the protagonist is that they can't be passive. Um, They can't seem too whiny which again as an example luke i mean he's Mm -hmm. whiny but he he ends up you know growing up and and figuring it out they can't be too whiny they can't be too wimpy necessarily which is great because D you already start off with these characters who are above the average like they're already technically heroes in the eyes of normal people yeah which is great or at least like abnormally successful or good at something right right um I was going to say something, and I lost it. Okay. Do you want me to keep going and you yeah, and I think of it? <laughs> um, the protagonist, in the end, too, um, can be a group of like-minded people, um, all working for the common goal. And that's where it mainly comes in for your D&D setting. Yes. Because it's, you've already got it there. <laughs> Brings me back. Here we go. Uh, all right. <laughs> they don't, especially, I mean, and it would be, it can be slightly easier to write it. But they don't have to be like-minded people. Not necessarily, That can be troublesome at the table because they don't necessarily want to work together. Mm -hmm. But there's two different sides to tackle that from. Mm -hmm. One is the DM. You have to give them a reason why they're working together. Exactly. you got to hook all the characters into the plot you're you're driving them through. Yeah. Make Um, them care. I mean, you don't have to railroad them in there. No. But hook them all. Mm -hmm. Um, so they all want to take part of it. The other side is them. You have to make sure your party understands that part of the game (laughs) is working together. Bum, bum, bum! And if they want to come up with a crazy, diverse group of characters who Mm -hmm. may not like each other 100%, Mm -hmm. they still have to work together. Yes. And they can argue, but, like, don't be petulant. Yes, which is one of the reasons why most 
uh, protagonist is just one person because it's just this main hero and exactly. they've got a, a supporting cast for lack of a better term. Yes. So they all come together. They've all got strengths and weaknesses. But in terms of your D&D table, yeah, you got to work together. But as a, like as a DM, personally, if they're doing it in like a really creative, fun way and they're enjoying themselves... That's awesome. Yeah, I'll let you try anything. Go for it. <laughs> like, let them fight. Just remind them that, you know, you guys mm-hmm. have to pick a choice. Like, mm-hmm. you can't just sit here and argue about it. Right. You're not going to get anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they work together, they will actually, you know, you become your character and you will actually start to like each other as characters. And the fights that pop up will be really cool role-playing moments instead of just constant bickering because... You're chaotic good, and I'm lawful neutral. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and this is what we have to do. Go, go back to the strong characters. No, you are. You don't have to be set in your ways, especially mm-hmm. when you're working with five other people. Mm-hmm. That, like, you can be set in your ways all you want if you're solo. Yeah. If you're not, you got to bend. And that's the other part of. Uh, of the characters and and the protagonists in terms of D anD D and the and the player characters at your table, they're not always gonna see eye to eye. But at the same time, like that doesn't mean that they're not always gonna have a few issues along the road. As an example, you know, for Critical Role, for those of you who watch spoiler it, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Um, there are times when, um, Keyless character doesn't agree with what the rest of the party is doing. Like, oh, we're just going to kill and everything. And, and she helps keep that moral center because it is a conflict for her character. Even if it is perhaps overly idealist. Right. Um, she understands she's doing it that way. And mm-hmm. Keyleth is overly ideal, mm-hmm. but... It it brings them back to a little bit of a center, even though it might be a little tense. Mm-hmm. Um, but that also makes for the great storytelling because it can get the other players to think about things in a different way than, oh, yeah, we're just going to kill everything in the room. Well, I see two kids in the corner. Did you guys not notice them? Like, are they evil in any yeah. way? Or are we just going to slaughter them too? Yeah. <laughs> like... Um, you'll, and it always helps to have someone at the table, and we were talking about the... The other night, mm-hmm. like Sam Regal, Scanland, yes. who can lighten the mood during all mm-hmm. the tense situations, go with whatever flow is happening, mm-hmm. and help make a decision, mm-hmm. even when nobody agrees on what to do. Right. He's a great, because great character. <laughs> it, it helps as a DM to have that character, because then you don't have to do double duty as the DM and the NPCs, and reminding the players that... Mm-hmm. I mean, we could sit here all night and argue, or we can play D&D. <laughs> right, right. And the other part of that, too, in terms of the conflict and the working together, you know, everybody has to be brought back to, you know, why are we here? What are we really working for? And if you guys don't all agree, if there's not a plan or whatever, like, that's where the story unfolds mm-hmm. and the cooperation comes in, because with a group of protagonists... It's really important that they all get to the same end goal. Yep. So, as a writer, you can rewrite it. Oh god, yeah. But as a D&D table, you can <laughs> always fall back on we're here to play a game and have fun. Yeah. We're doing it live, people. We're yeah. just here to play a game like <laughs> So, I mean, as a writer, you got edits. Oh as yeah, a D&D you do. Group, <laughs> you're supposed to be having fun, and if right. you're not, then Which is one of the best parts about storytelling in terms of D&D for me because as a player and as a DM, player, I get to help write the story. And as a DM, I get to see what people are creating in this yes. world that I've put yeah, them in. Exactly. It's great. <laughs> so that's that's always something to keep in mind in terms of your protagonist. It's just that um, they really have to work together in terms of D&D. And uh, they can't be too passive or too wimpy. Like every, And that's why that character creation is important, too, because then they know and they have a better understanding of who this person is. Yeah. Which is yep. unbelievably helpful. <laughs> um, now, in terms of antagonist, um, obviously the main role of the antagonist is to, you know, stand in the way of the Antagonize. hero. Antagonist. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you with your words. <laughs> I didn't make that one up. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, it's stand in the way of the hero or heroes, as the case may be. Yeah. Um, 
it can't the story can't end end until the uh protagonist defeats the guy or is defeated in some way um and the main thing for the antagonist to keep in mind is that they have to have a reason for being who he or she is yeah they're not just there to i'm just evil like (laughs) there are exceptions Mm -hmm. right i mean the joker is like the big exception. His whole point mm-hmm. is to be batshit insane and mm-hmm. get in Batman's way and drive Batman crazy. Right. But even then, uh, in terms of storytelling, the point of the Joker ends up being developing Batman as a character and person. Right. Um, Pro- and uh, and that, that's outside of the character, mm-hmm. but 99.9% of the time, your your protagonist needs a personal in-character reason for why they're there. Exactly. And that's something I want to point out right now, too, is that for storytelling in general, no matter what the setting is, protagonist and antagonist, they can't, one can't work without the other. <laughs> they just no. can't. So you have to have both. <laughs> right. if, if you have a necromancer, why is he raising the dead? Right. And, and why is that bad? And And again... Maybe it's not. There has to be a reason for who they are as this person. They're not necessarily just born that way. Something has happened to them that has made them or or changed them to be this way. Mm-hmm. And that's really important for the uh, antagonist because there, there's got to be a reason why they're doing what they're doing. They're not just, oh, well, I'm going to just destroy the world because I'm bored on a Tuesday. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll give you a good example that you can steal for like a good... Even faceless antagonists. Mm-hmm. A group of druids. Yeah. First of all, unexpected, because it's druids, who are supposed to be protecting the land. Uh, renegades who want to create a tsunami to completely destroy mm-hmm. the kingdom. That's going to destroy all the ecosystems. It's going to do a lot of shit. You're like, well, they're evil. Well, I mean, to you, but... What if they're doing it because the kingdom has just been destroying shit and clear-cutting and all this other stuff, and this rogue group has decided, start from scratch. Mm-hmm. Tidal wave, let's do this. <laughs> um, no biggie. <laughs> they, and then they're, they might not show up as antagonists to begin, They might, or they might just show up as antagonists who, you know, really disagree with all the things the hero finds, finds themselves having to do. Mm-hmm. In the name of good. Like, oh, you know, we gotta blow up this mountain to kill the <laughs> elder god that's sleeping there or something, you know? And what, what? <laughs> you saved the world, but you blew up a mountain and destroyed a forest. And the yeah. druids are gonna get pissed. And mm-hmm. they probably didn't help you anywhere along the way and might have mm-hmm. tried to stop you. Uh, and that, But now they're gonna destroy the world. So, I mean... God damn it, man. You had to blow up that mountain and destroy that forest. <laughs> there's got to be a reason they're doing what exactly. they're doing. Otherwise, it's not believable. That whole believability yeah. thing is very important. The reason can be crazy. Yes, yes, true. And sometimes that reason. does happen, yeah. Another really important thing for an antagonist in storytelling across the board is that they should have a soft spot or a human side. Something relatable. Exactly. So they need something relatable. A, a weakness in terms of being good in some way. They can't just be entirely evil and still be believable. That's just not how it works. For example, Star Wars. Who saw that coming? Um, uh, Darth Vader ends up saving Luke because he it's his son. Mm-hmm. Like, he he can't, oh, yeah, well, you have to fucking kill him. Like, that doesn't happen. <laughs> and that's a really, I, I remember that scene specifically, because that was such a powerful moment in that series. It was crazy bread. <laughs> Other than, obviously, the reveal of him being his father, obviously. Hello. <laughs> Cinematic reveal. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and the antagonist has to grow in some way, the same as the hero or heroes do. But... And to go back to Star Wars, like, the Emperor isn't an antagonist. No. He he is just off the rocker. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but he's more of an antagonist in the prequel trilogy because he's he's trying to bring stability to the galaxy. Right. I mean, the only problem with him as an antagonist, then, is we all know what's happening. 
and what's going to happen. Right. Because it's a prequel trilogy. So, right. I mean, there's no sympathy for him. <laughs> um, but if you read, and I don't think it's canon anymore, but uh, I think it's just called Plagueis. It's kind of like his origin story. Mm-hmm. And you get a little more sympathy with him because, like, he grows up rich but neglected and, like, all kinds of, like, things. And he just has a shitty life and he's very aspiring and mm-hmm. he just... He just goes left. <laughs> <laughs> going he just left. Continue goes left, and you're just like, oh, you you could have done so much. Mm-hmm. But at least there's that. It's like, ah, oh, if only you get that. <laughs> if only you didn't do all that. So they have to grow the same as the hero does because there has to be. They have to do it through um, adversity and through the struggle because obviously. Your heroes at the table can defeat an enemy, but maybe they don't. Maybe it he escapes or she escapes, and then they better <laughs> coming back. <laughs> um, but they can't just become stronger for no reason, mm. and that's that's something to really keep in mind for your antagonist. They can <laughs> ultimate power. <laughs> it doesn't just happen. <laughs> right. Um. And uh, last thing I wanted to mention in terms of an antagonist um, is that it doesn't necessarily have to be an expressed character. It can be, like, a powerful concept or an idea, Mm. which is, I mean, even still, though, it still has to have some kind of humanity to it. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's still not believable, but it should... The super lawful good paladin makes a better antagonist than he does a protagonist because right. he's he's too lawful. Mm-hmm. He's too good. He he's believes in, in, in yeah in yeah. his ideas or you know in his um in his god too too much. <laughs> then we have a problem. <laughs> um, but if it's if it's a concept or an ideal or or even a character, it has to stand in the way of the hero. That's the main point of it. In Um, one way or another. In one way or another. And I think this is a great opportunity to mention the three villains that we talked about. And I I think we're just dubbing it the the rule of three villains. Is that kind of... Yeah. Essentially, it's the rule of three with villains at your table. Yes. And you don't really see it in writing so much. No. um, Because... Although, I bet if you picked apart writing, you could find three protagonistic... Or, I'm sorry, antagonistic Antagonist. forces <laughs> in the story. Um, but it's so that the, the protagonists aren't too focused or mm-hmm. knowledgeable about what's going on. Right. Um, you always want to have three forces, hopefully with villains behind them, mm-hmm. in your D&D world. If you're doing, like, a big uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. Because, first of all, it gives them choice. On yes. what's going on. And second of all, it, it they have to make those decisions. And there's not just one villain at any one given moment. Um, yeah. Superman, like, oh, all the God. other villains don't take a break when Superman's fighting Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know what, guys? They're in the middle of a fight. We should just hang back. Exactly. <laughs> um, there's still so many, like... Plans and yeah. everything else going on, and the world, the rest of the world doesn't stop. Which we've mentioned before in other in other rants and things. Right. Like it just that, that that's not the reality I mean, the of the situation. Might be fighting for resources, you might not even see the villain or reveal the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, no one suspects the butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, um, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> but he's there, and he's advancing. Um, and maybe she's going to destroy your city while you're gone because you didn't know she was coming and you didn't pay attention to that rumor. Um, and you can drop hints and bits there. Um, and that, and something to keep in mind with that rule in, in terms of D and D is that it doesn't have to be 
that they're that three villains are all in in league together and, and they, it, that's not how it but works they could be. but they could be that's that's another part of that they could be but they don't necessarily it have to be it could be a league of doom <laughs> yes <and they> <laughs> be in different areas and you're like which one do we kill yeah, first? first yeah what exactly would happen in terms of the rest of this what are we giving up to go after this other one right or they could come back to the city and keep finding weird things that link back to some secret cult mm-hmm. that's taking over the city from within while they're trying to fight a giant invasion in the mountains yeah, yeah and they have to decide if and, like, maybe the king asks them for help while they're around. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, we got, like, three days to get back to the um, the giants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and he, maybe he's like, well, we got fucking mutant alligator people in the sewer. And you're like, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess and we've got to make a decision. <laughs> then they have to make a decision. And what happens if the giants are left to rega- regather their supplies and mm-hmm. their people? Or what happens if you ignore... The quote-unquote mutant alligator people. Yeah. There's... You never know. And... But it's good to have those... It's good to have a couple things, specific things happening. Yes. At the same time. hmm And that's another great part of it because in terms of storytelling, now your characters have to figure out and work together, as we mentioned, and figure out what's the best course of action. Do we do we go to villain A or do we go to villain C? You know, like what what are we giving up and what is the gain and which one's better and that and that's really when the story develops too because now your characters are discussing it as their characters and making decisions. Yes, <laughs> um, and because it's not a written story that is from protagonist to be beating mm-hmm. uh, antagonist. D&D, a long-term campaign, mm-hmm. if you have, if you use the rule of three, the story is just an arc, and you've already seeded other arcs, arcs. Mm-hmm. during that one. So even when you come to the close of defeating a villain and stopping this mm-hmm. and all that... And people you, want to continue to play. You still have the, <laughs> what about those alligator people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We and, should go back and check on that. Oh, shit. Village is yeah. gone. Um... <laughs> And then you still have two to work from, mm-hmm. and you can start seeding in a third. Mm-hmm. Um, that way, you always there's always choices and stuff. And three, three's a good number, in just term- in general. Yeah, and 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 again, that's more of for D and D and D and D storytelling and long term and long term campaigns. It's not necessarily something you really see necessarily in writing specifically and in novels, but. Mm-hmm. There, there are still those layers and and other characters that get introduced in different chapters of a book that you're like, oh, what the hell? Oh, I remember that. Oh shit! Whoa! Oh shit! They're bigger than I thought they were. <laughs> um, but even in closed story campaigns like uh, Princes of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. you have the four elemental temples. Right. It's that's four villains, but ultimately it's one story arc. But you. In that game, you, you have to decide which temple of elemental evil <laughs> you want to go to first. Which one? Which one? <laughs> and then, you know, certain things will happen, maybe, depending on which one you go. Or Strahd. Yeah, God. The, I mean, it all comes down to him, but you have the Vistani, mm-hmm. who aren't really that great. Mm-hmm. You have werewolves, which are doing their thing. Bitches. Um... You have things going on in each town. You have, like, the druids, which are causing trouble. And most of them are causing trouble in the name of Strahd. Yeah. Or as the result of what Strahd does. But players have to choose the path they get Strahd <laughs> and who who they can handle. And as an example, again, critical role, spoilers. As an example of, you know, the world still revolving and choices you make, you know, the whole party was out doing their thing and Tiberius's character had already left and come to find out his his whole <laughs> city, was it a city, I think? Uh, yeah. yeah. His whole city is destroyed and gone. And mm-hmm. he actually, again, spoilers, he's actually dead. In that timeline. In that timeline, yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> Orion so, might tell you differently. Though. True, true. Sorry, Orion. <laughs> um, but that you know, and and coming across that as the characters, that's a really powerful moment. This is their friend. This was their their other hero. They've just lost somebody 
and there's yeah. nothing they can do. This is it. It's and they, destroyed. They didn't even think no. about Draconia being nope. attacked. Nope, not like at all. the other cities until someone mentioned it, and then they were like, "Oh shit, shit. Tiberius." Yeah, and then they went and investigated and found no goodness at all. <laughs> so it's really important in terms of the D and D table. We think mm-hmm. to have it as a a three rule for villains. Caveat. Mm-hmm. Going back when you first start the campaign, yes, your true. Characters haven't developed and the relationships aren't developed. True. Give them one to focus on. Yep. Seed more into that as you go. Reveal yeah. characters. Reveal story tidbits. Yep. Learn what the players want to fight against. Right. Um. But don't go too heavily on adding lots of stuff together. Yeah. Especially not a first time out. And if especially if you and or any of your party members are new, give them a chance to really get into what's happening and understand mm-hmm. the game. Um, so, antagonist, protagonist, can't, can't be one without the other. <laughs> How far down the list are we? Uh, we're, out of seven. Uh, we, we actually uh, only have two left to mention. So we have two parts left. Yes. Uh, two more things in terms of the seven elements of good storytelling. So, something that you did mention, and we mentioned uh, a little bit earlier as well, but um, you did definitely mention when we were talking about the antagonist was the arches. Yeah. And that's really important because it has to be satisfying. So, in terms of arches in storytelling, everything and everyone has to go from pole to pole. And what that means is that there needs to be change, people. (laughs) There has to be change. And... This is not only true for the characters, but it's true for your setting. Mm. You know, the village gets destroyed. The um, the winter gets colder. The um, <laughs> I mean, just as an you know, like, there has to be some sort of change throughout because nothing stays the same, regardless of your story or a movie or in terms of D anD D. It's just that's how it happens. Because there's so many different layers and elements working together, everything's going to change. Nothing, mm-hmm. It can't mm-hmm. stay the same. So as an example, you know, if, if a character starts off and he is, um, like, clean cut and snooty, you know, and he's just a pompous asshole <laughs> at the end of the story, he's got to be a little bit humble and a little grubby. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's just one of those things. It's, it's That's what gives great character development as well as really great storytelling for those arches because mm-hmm. without that change it's not believable and also the audience or you know the players or the dm itself you're not invested in it because oh yeah we're just even keel steady as she goes that's not that's not how this works <laughs> <laughs> um and nothing tells a story more accurately than change yes I agree. that's just how that works and Again, for the D&D table, which we have mentioned, you know, that can potentially be your ending on on an arch. But, I mean, if your characters don't want to retire, keep it going. (laughs) It also comes on a lot of levels again. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if your villain gets away, Mm -hmm. so it's a recurring villain. Yeah, which I love. They're not going to fight (laughs) the same way the next time they encounter the party. Mm Mm-hmm. At the plans the, at that point, the antagonist plans have to get more evil. <laughs> yes, and ready. You know, uh, they too are going to come prepared with resistance potions or an es- mm-hmm. probably more than one escape plan. Mm-hmm. They're not just gonna. They have to be involved in ever harder challenges. Yeah, they, they can't just come back and go. I'm gonna fight you the same way, and hopefully, you don't beat me this time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't have any healing, but we don't have a healer in any way? That's fine. We, we got this, guys. Five of us nearly died? No big deal. <laughs> That's not how this works. <laughs> no. Because the party's going to be just as ready as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as an example of, you know, elements and characters changing, just from, from again, this article, uh, this article mentions, like, E.T. and Apollo 13. I think it even mentions, yeah, Gone with the Wind. You know, in E.T., Spielberg uses the flowers to convey the failing health of the alien. That's something that changes. You know what I mean? Um, Apollo 13, the Earth keeps getting bigger as time's running out. Like, 
that's, that's intense. That's a change. <laughs> um, and I, I don't ever think I made it through Gone with the Wind, <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't think so. um, but in terms of that, you know, uh, in, in terms of this article, you know, the mansions of the South fall into disrepair and with all the slaves gone, the plantation owners themselves had to plant their own vegetables. Mm-hmm. That's a huge change. That's a huge, um, difference between when we started and now where we are, you know? Well, that's like, um, the Pathfinder game. Uh, the rift has always been like the thing you guys are hoping to find a solution to. Mm-hmm. But oh, eventually, <laughs> you know, you guys started meeting people who were trying to, who eventually disallowed you from using transportation magic in the risk that it would empower the rift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, God. I want to get back to that game so badly. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I'm so frustrated. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Like, the, the wise get a little bit stupider, and the unlucky get a break. And yeah. it, it's just one of those things where chain ha- change is constant, and it has to be there, and that's part of your arches. So, it, I mean, nothing changes. You have to have that element. Yeah. And... Again, that could be defeating the bad guy, or the bad guy gets away, and then you come together later, and, hey, guess what? He's more pissed off and angry, and it's gonna be worse. He's alive! <laughs> He's alive! <laughs> and you, as as the characters, as the party, as the heroes of this world, okay, we're not gonna fight him the same way now that we know some of the shit that he can pull. <laughs> like, yep. So... It's a big thing in terms of storytelling or your arches and, and making them believable is that change is a big part of that. Nothing stays the same at all. And we mentioned that too um, with, you know, how many, the rule of three, you know, if, if there's three different choices, okay, we choose one, we come back, oh shit, villain C just fucked up our day because yeah. we weren't paying attention. Yep. That's how, that's how that works. It's constantly changing, constantly moving. Um. And the last part of good storytelling is conflict. Hmm. That's always, always part of it. <laughs> um, you can't have any satisfaction in your story if, if you don't have any conflict at all. Because you're not achieving anything. Exactly. Um, You've already kind of mentioned this a couple times. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Antagonist versus protagonist yep. is conflict. Um you got to give com- and and conflict is one of those things too which you know as an uh, bringing it back to a critical role you know when Keyleth <laughs> but, but when she when she does say what she says to you know bring them back a little bit to to the reality of their situation that gives the characters a great opportunity to say what they want to say mm-hmm. as their characters and that's great for the D&D table too because without that conflict what kind of conversations or character developments or any of that are you really having <laughs> at all? <laughs> so, And there's also conflict within a character. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, will you give up some of your ideal to succeed at the, a, a greater picture? Mm-hmm. You know, will you forego something mm-hmm. to get something? Will Will you... Be okay with yourself doing that. Can you overcome that hurdle? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the audience and again the characters themselves at a D and D table they want to see that. I mean, and that's the thing is like your players they're your characters and you're they're your players, but they're also the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a big the DM's job to help make sure that events and NPCs bring up these things. Um, in conflict mm-hmm. with the characters. And they may help you, and they may conflict against things you had not intended. They may conflict against each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but you still have to put those bumps in the road to create mm-hmm. the conflicts and cause them to struggle. And and in terms of the conflict itself, if you yourself, as a DM, give your players a conflict and they're struggling with it and trying to work it out, that's when some of the best believable things happen. Because when you're angry or upset or, or you know, you believe that you're right without a doubt, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's when you say exactly what's on it. No, like, that's, that's not a good idea because of A, B, and C. And we should definitely do this because otherwise this guy's going to die and he's more important than that other chick. Like... 
it's it's something that a story can't live without and and with conflict and with the characters and all of these other elements all of these elements are there because they intertwine with each other that's part of storytelling it's a tangled web people mm. it's a tangled tangled it web is. Really is. <laughs> um and for for conflict itself you have to give it's a good opportunity. Well, you don't have to give, but it's a good opportunity to give your players a chance to say something important in terms of, you know, themselves or revealing things about themselves or about what they think is good or wrong or unjust or great in terms of what they're doing and why they're doing it. Yeah. Conflict isn't getting through the locked door. That, right. That is not conflict. That no. is an obstacle. Exactly. <laughs> that is not conflict. Mm-hmm. Um... Uh, fighting a group of goblins right. is an obstacle. It's an encounter. It's a mm-hmm. challenge. It's not a conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping one alive mm-hmm. and finding out that they just need food to feed their family, mm-hmm. that's a conflict. Yes. You got to remember that. Not all obstacles are conflicts. Mm-hmm. And and something that this article that I mentioned does give as an example, and I apologize, most of these examples are from uh, movies or things of that nature, but um, in The Perfect Storm, uh-huh. uh, there's two fishermen, they're at each other's throats for the, for the most of the voyage, and that's, that's good, great, and grand, and wonderful, you guys hate each other, great. But when push comes to shove, when one of them gets snagged in a line and goes overboard, like, the other one does everything he can to save him. Mm-hmm. That's that's a conflict. Because, okay, yeah, we hate each other, but I'm not gonna... Morally, I can't, as a character, just be like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> that, that decision is a conflict. Yes. Even, even, even if they still decide to yeah. save that person, it's still a conflict for the character. Yeah. And, and there are those... Those layers, again, with storytelling and that tangled fucking web, mm-hmm. it can be a character conflict. It can be an overall conflict for the story, for the arc. arc. It's, it's just part of good storytelling, mm-hmm. and you have to have that conflict. Yeah. There's there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, uh, I do also want to mention in terms of this, so uh, those are the seven... Um, main elements of storytelling. So just to reiterate for everybody, uh, it's premise, character, then you have uh, the crucible or, you know, the um, main place. Um, It's protagonist, it's antagonist, it's the um, arches, and then it's the conflict. And we did also mention the rule of three villains, which I think is important in terms of D&D. Definitely keep that in mind. It's a great tool. Yep, especially long term. It's a great tool. Um, and the last thing that I want to mention in terms of D&D, not as a writer, but as a player and, you know, a person who enjoys the tabletop, <laughs> you're all telling this story. Yes. yes. And that's what makes, you know, a, a D&D or a Pathfinder or an Exalted or whatever type of game it is. That is what makes tabletop role-playing games. games. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it <laughs> so... Keep that in mind. It's not just, oh, I'm the DM, this is my story, and you're all going to get railroaded, and this is how it goes. Yeah. It's not how it works at all, and it's way more interesting and fun and dynamic and and entertaining for everyone, in my mind, if you all can work together and DM, you know, like you said, sometimes you got to interject. And, and, you know, hey, guys, okay, well, this is how, like, put something in. As an example, I had... um uh, these two characters that came across a witch hut and they weren't sure if they were going to attack or not. And she was talking to the townspeople, uh, the mayor and his butler in particular. And they were, um, saying, oh, well, I was going to kill those two and sacrifice to you. So they got more of the story. However, they were like, well, I don't know if we should go in right away, like guns hot. (laughs) And they were arguing about it. And then, um, they have, one of them has a pet with them and that pet was trying to like sneak around the witch and did not sneak around the witch and the witch caught this uh this pet Whoopsies. and it was like well fuck now we like really have a problem now our friends in trouble okay i guess we're going in mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's just one of those things where sometimes like 
if the if the characters are like, oh I'm not sure okay well I know this other stuff is happening let's see if the pet can actually be stealthy oh <laughs> guess what your pet's not mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I think it's great because everybody's telling the story at the table and that's just a rare yeah. occasion instead of as a writer you just kind of plug it along unless you <laughs> have a collaboration with another writer but. It's more yeah. like, oh, this is all in my head. Great, good. Yeah, I hope it's great. Yeah. I mean, the fun part is that nothing turns out the way you expect it to. Yeah. No matter what seat you're sitting in. No, which is <laughs> which is really great. <laughs> so that's uh, that's all I had. I don't know if you wanted to add anything to it. No, uh, just play the game you want to play. Yeah. And play the character you want to play, too, because... Hey, there might be a time when maybe you have to rework something here or there, but play what you play what intrigues you, play what interests you, because that's when the group as a whole is better. Yeah. <laughs> that's when the table is better. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So that's gonna wrap it up for uh, this episode of the uh, Untamed Rant. Be sure to check out our blog, thewonderingalchemist.com, for previous episodes of the Rant and our actual play podcasts, which there were two episodes today. You can also check out uh, the blog for tips, tricks, and weekly articles on tabletop gaming and other general nerdiness. Uh, Also, we really love what we do. Um, If you would like to help support us, please become a patron at uh, www.patreon.com and search for The Wandering Alchemist. Um, Pledges from a dollar and up gives you early access to our podcast and the Cracks of the Rift book chapters, which is based on our Pathfinder campaign, which we've mentioned a few times now. (laughs) Uh, As a Patreon, uh, as a patron, rather, uh, we will also send you a welcoming package, which will include wristbands, as well as enter you into our monthly dice giveaways. Yeah. Um, So if you want to contact us directly with questions, comments, or to let us know that another critical role character has died again, uh, please <laughs> use the contact information located in the notes for this episode. Uh, as always, I am Erin, or the Untamed Scribe. And I am John Crowley, the Wandering Alchemist. And thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>